Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and welcome to the program where we dig deeper to understand what really matters most in business. As you know, I'm a senior director at CFGI, and if you'd like to learn more about me or get in touch with me, please reach out. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Today, I'm pleased to welcome a guest who's uh, remoting in all the way from Miami, Florida. Uh, it's Brett Tremblay, who's the managing partner of Tremblay Law Firm and the founder of Get Staffed Up. Brett, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Dave, thank you so much for having me. I'm very honored to be here this morning. It's a pleasure to have you here. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about you and your firm, and then we'll jump in. Sure. So as you mentioned, I am the proprietor of Tremblay Law Firm in Miami, Florida. We're a, a business and litigation and franchise law firm. So, um, you know, talking about behind the numbers, we've gone from one attorney, just me, nine years uh, and a few weeks ago, to 10 attorneys and 25 team members and just hit the Inc. 5000. So we're really making an impact in the South Florida business community, Dave, helping business owners stay out of court. That's our claim to fame. It's easy to just sit back and hope people get in trouble and then go to court where only the lawyers win. So we still litigate and, and we do it very well. But our main goal is to work with entrepreneurs and business owners and help them proactively stay out of the courtroom, stay out of trouble and stay in business. Yeah, good stuff. And and you mentioned that your clients are not just in the Florida area, you're serving clients all over the place, right? We have clients all over the yeah. California, New York, you know, down down to Florida. Exactly. So congratulations on making the Inc. 5000. That's quite an achievement. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, we've been shooting for it for a few years and came up just short in, in 2019. So 2020, it was nice. Good. Well, good for you guys. Uh, Well-deserved. Uh, I wanted to start off our conversation by talking about a concept that uh, I think we're all dealing with right now. It's getting back to work, getting back into the office. I don't know when that's going to happen for uh, different parts of the country and different parts of the world. It, it's, there's a different timeline, of course. But embedded in this return to work piece are um, employee safety issues and then, of course, legal matters for employers. So I'd like to talk to you about, first and foremost, what you're seeing in this realm of the getting back to work process. Why don't we start with the safety component? Sure. Dave, there's so much uncertainty right now because we're in uncharted territory. We're, you know, we're helping our clients figure out what are the right amount of precautions to take if you're opening your place of business back up. So let's say you know, you've, got, you've got, it doesn't matter how many employees, but you let them all back in or you require them to come back in the office and you say, all right, November 15th, we're reopening, everyone's got to come back. What happens if somebody doesn't want to come back? Can you fire them? And if so, is that you're going to get hit with a discrimination claim? Um, do you make exceptions where some people work at home and some people come into the office? Do you get waivers signed? And, and are the waivers even enforceable? What I mean by a waiver is if, if you're an employer and you have people come back to the office and someone gets COVID-19, I mean, God forbid, you know, thank, well, thankfully the, the death rates are extremely low right now, but obviously the amount of people still getting it is very high. And so what happens? Can you get sued? Are you liable? Can the employee prove that they got it from someone in the office? And, and what are you required to do? The law fo uh, follows a reasonable person standard. So what would a reasonable business owner do? You know, require mask, hand sanitizer, social distancing, you know, n no more than one person in an office, take turns going to the restroom or the kitchen or the break room. You know, do you have to have a cleaning crew come in and clean, you know, once per day, once per month, every five minutes? I mean, I, I know everyone's going to have a different opinion on this. So really trying to strategize and, and holding 
webinars and, and creating waivers that we think are hopefully going to be enforceable, helping, helping our clients. Look, this is not about doing only protecting the business owner. We're trying to educate our clients on what you need to do to protect your people. Because obviously we all want to protect our employees as well, but how far do you have to go? Yeah. And it's so easy to, to get, I'll use the term complacent um, as we revert back to previous norms. If you walk into an office, I've been in a few uh, over the last couple of weeks and months, uh, and it's an interesting phenomenon. Despite best laid plans and intentions where uh, the companies may have protocols in place for mask wearing, you walk in and somebody sees you and they walk up to greet you and they're not wearing a mask. Um, Talk to me, if you would, Brett, about the the firms that believe completely that the only way that you're going to get productivity out of your team or even just to build more morale is to have everybody back into the office or have as many people back as you can. Uh, what are they risking from the employees who feel almost as if it's a, a coercion thing rather than a voluntary thing? That, that, that's a tough one, Dave. So, you, you know, you could argue that you're going to alienate people that still are, are quarantining. And I, I still have a lot of friends. I know a lot of people who maybe not quite as much. They're not wiping down the groceries and, you know, only stepping outside in, in a hazmat suit you know, or something pretty wild like that. But, but, but for the most part, they're staying at home and only dealing with family who are also uh, quarantining or, or not interacting with people, not going to the grocery store, not going to eat. And, and there's still a lot of people that are under sort of those feelings that you need to continue to sort of isolate yourself. And, and there we've seen our, some of our clients have, have had some interesting situations where they've had to, you know, have meetings over Zoom bring in an HR team and talk through the pros and cons of returning and, and at least hear out the employee because you never know, maybe they're predisposed. Maybe they have other conditions, certainly um, existing conditions play a huge factor in how your body deals with the coronavirus. I'm not a doctor. Obviously we're just using the best data we can and it, it can be, you know, traumatizing and cause a lot of angst at the office between the team members. So, the way that, that to handle this, David, a lot of communication. Here's what's coming up. Here's a timeline. Let you know team meetings, one-on-one meetings. Listen to people because if, if their fears are real, then they're real to them, and you don't want to dismiss those fears because that's going to communicate to the rest of your team that you know, as a, as a lot of people say, you know, the man. You know, it, like the man is holding us down. That's kind of how we're viewed. You can't forget that, and you see the memes. You know business owners only care about themselves and not the employees. And you don't want to fall into that category if you're truly trying to be a great organization with, with great people. Yeah. Good advice. I mean, the optics of that are horrible for sure. And I'm going to ask you an unfair question. I, I, I don't know that you have the answer and I'm sure the answer may even vary across jurisdictions, but for those who are listening and wondering, can your employer force you to come back into the office? Yeah, that, that, that depends. Um, you you can an employer can now require their employee to come back to the office um the question is if the employee refuses what happens if they get laid off do they have a discrimination claim and that really varies by jurisdiction yep that depends so for anybody who's watching or listening to the program right now and they want to learn more about that or any other topics brett how can they contact you sure the fastest and easiest way dave is is tremblylaw.com forward slash VIP. We set up a really easy page for people to contact us. 
where you just go to our, our website, trendylaw.com, and you just type in forward slash VIP. It takes you to a landing page. It just asks name, number, email, and how you heard about us. And somebody will reach out to you within, you know, 15, 20 minutes usually and, and try to set up a phone call for a consultation so that you can address these issues that you're asking me. And, there, and there's just so many more, so many more questions that business owners are having. Yeah, I'm sure. We have about five minutes to go in this segment, Brett, but I wanted to touch on one more topic if we can squeeze it in. Uh, and that's with regard to intellectual property assets, trademarks. I know that you're involved in a lot of trademark matters, uh, and I think you've got some pretty strong opinions on why business owners really ought to get serious about it. Why don't you comment on that? Yeah, I, I think my next book is going to be called Get Your Darn Trademark, if just not using that word. So I'm not sure, you know, in this segment, what we can say, but I, I'm just so tired of of small business owners getting, you know, not not a, not a good result. And having a big company come in and everyone's heard of patent trolls, but there are trademark trolls as well. I'll give you an example. We represent a brewery that has a line, uh, you know, a beer, and Anheuser Busch created one just like it, looked like it, and 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 they came up with a name almost identical because our client, who wasn't our client at the time didn't take a few minutes to get a trademark. It's really inexpensive to get a trademark. And and it just, man, it can protect your business, you know, your clothing. There's so, and and that's just one of, of thousands and thousands of stories where, where businesses didn't take just a few moments, pick up the phone, send in your information and get a trademark. It's one of the easier things to get in law. And it's it's rather certain um, if you get the trademark, of course, if you, if you have the right to get a trademark, if you didn't take somebody's name and it's also done on a flat fee, it's really one of the easiest and best ways to protect yourself. Yeah. And some of it may be naivete and, and some of it may be the, the notion that you can't fight the big boys anyway. So let me ask you without you know, disclosing anything that you shouldn't. Um, but when you've got a situation where you've got this large brewery, you know, like Anheuser-Busch, as you mentioned, and you've got a local guy, how can they compete? You know, legally with the deep pockets that this larger firm may have, even if your client owns the trademark. So you get into a, a federal, well, if you own the trademark and, and someone else uses it, they're, they're too smart to do that because there's statutory penalties and that allows the small business to tell the attorney, Hey, I can, I can pay, but you know, on the back end, let's split the damages because they're almost going to be guaranteed if you can prove a trademark violation. A willful trademark violation is going to come with a lot of monetary penalties on the end. It's when you don't get the trademark and now you're rushing to file one because they've already filed one and you're having to argue that you have the right first. That's an expensive lawsuit and there's no, no penalties for that. It's basically you're just spending all the money trying to be the winner. And, and now you're litigating in federal court. And wow, I mean, you talk about a lot of money that, that unfortunately you can dump into a lawsuit like that. I have a, a funny segment that I analyzed the, the Tiger King, you know, the, the crazy Netflix show that oh, came yeah. out of March and the whole world was talking about. And I dive into the trademark lawsuits in federal court and what really happened. Interesting. We're going to take a pause here, Brett. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back after those yeah. few words on Behind the Numbers. Why buy local? When you shop with local businesses, you're spending your money on more than just the item you're buying. You're adding a building block to your neighborhood. 
It starts with a single purchase, maybe a cup of coffee, groceries from a local co-op, or even a shiny new bicycle from one of the nearly 28 million small businesses nationwide. Your money doesn't stay in the till for long, though. Local business owners use the money to create a lot of economic activity in your neighborhood, like buying from suppliers, many of whom are also local businesses, paying taxes to the city, which builds and maintains the infrastructure we all rely on, employing local workers, contributing to 65% of the net new jobs each year. Add this all together and you've got a recipe for a happier, healthier, more connected neighborhood. Now that's an investment worth making. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking with Brett Tremblay, who's the managing partner of Tremblay Law and also the founder of Get Staffed Up. Brett, you mentioned that you uh, were recently the recipient of an Inc. 5000 award, and uh, that's cool stuff. But I want to springboard from that into what I like to call the journey of entrepreneurship. So um, obviously, you mentioned that you've grown your law firm, but you also have another business. You, you've taken entrepreneurship to kind of a different level. Uh, why don't you share your story with the audience? Absolutely. I'd, I'd love to. And I, I just wanted to mention, you know, a lot of a lot of attorneys sort of don't want to practice anymore or or they find running a law firm, you know, just too daunting or too difficult. So they sort of become, I don't know, a consultant. They dive into something else. I, I, I did it where I, I put so much time and effort into building a business that's still growing. You know, despite coronavirus, Trembly Law will grow about 10 percent this year. And, and that's way down for us, but, but that's still very good. You know, I'm still very, very active in running that business. But growing the law firm provided me with an opportunity to do more than just help entrepreneurs and business owners under the law. So the, the, the mission of the law firm is to protect the economy one business at a time. But through this staffing company that, that me and, and a co-founder started, I learned that I could help business owners in, in additional ways because staffing and HR and compliance is so difficult and there's so many pitfalls that you can run into as a business owner when when employing people. You know, having employees, God bless them. I mean, I, I love my teams and we work really hard at, at providing a great atmosphere and, and and paying as best as we can, but they will always be our number one headache as 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 entrepreneurs and business owners because we're humans. We all have issues. And so what we did is we started a staffing company where, where business owners can staff up and add a lot of bandwidth and wherewithal at the entry level positions. You're talking administrative level positions, personal assistants, executive assistants, um, secretaries, receptionists, so that you don't have to go spend $40,000 you know, plus plus, because when you employ someone here in the US, speaking of behind the numbers, there's a 1.4 multiplier. Whatever you pay in salary, you have to do 1.4, and that's what it costs you as a business owner. So you're looking at at 45 to 50,000 
just, you know, no offense, but for somebody answering the phones or, or, you know, someone helping around the office, if you will. So what we did is we said, why don't we take the offshore model and do full-time only and, and help business owners staff up quickly with all the things that they're doing themselves that they know they shouldn't be doing. And we'll take the, the cost component out of it. Now, the, the mental side behind it is, is, you know, I love helping people learn that it's okay to hire and take risks because back in the day, that was, that was my big hang up before I learned how to sort of bet on myself and grow. But the staffing company has been phenomenal. And, um, you know, I could tell you a little bit more about the model if I didn't explain that quite clearly. No, that's good stuff. And look, there, there are a lot of firms where they're not ready to bring on full-time employees and, and they need some kind of an alternative. Um, I guess one of the questions somebody watching or listening may be thinking would be something to the effect of, what's your secret sauce? What makes your staffing firm a little bit different than maybe some of their other options? Why don't you speak to that? Sure. So most staffing companies do two things. One, they get people in like India or the Philippines and they pack them into a building like sardines. And now they're selling time blocks and saying, you think you need 10 hours per week of an assistant? Good. I just had 10 hours open up because someone else, you know, left. So your assistant, if you will, is, is really working for a lot of different people and you're only keeping, you know, only using them for about 10 hours a week. So that's, that's the first thing. Second, um, again, it's, it's the language barrier is much greater in those regions in the world. So what we did is we said, we're going to do full-time only and we're going to come in at a price point that it, it's just a no brainer, which the, the, the middle price for us is 1850 a month. So that's about 20,000 per year. You pay us monthly and, and we pay your employee. And so there's no, you know, withholding and taxes, et cetera. And our, our biggest advantage though, is we're out of Latin America. So Mexico, Central and South America, so like the cultures are very similar, the English is phenomenal, and the time zones match up. So we have you know people that are answering phones in Mexico, and people have no idea that the phone is being answered somewhere else. But because it's not an outsourced reception service, they know you know how to pronounce the names, and they get familiar with the people because your customers know when you have an outsourced phone answering services as good as as some of them are these days. Um, and, and talk about a lot of, of bandwidth you can add by giving your top team personal or executive assistance and adding in those, those secretary level positions with somebody who, again, is highly educated, motivated, energetic, but the, the economic arbitrage, as they say, the cost savings is just so great. It's, it's really a no brainer. So they become part of your team. Speaking of about team building and morale, you want to treat these full-time team members as if they're in your office. You just can't see them. So you want them on your morning huddles. You want them on your team meetings via Zoom. And, and you want to continue to build the culture. You're just doing it a little smarter than your competition. Interesting. Uh, Brett, anybody who wants to learn more about that or about the law firm, how can they reach you? Well, not, not surprisingly, very similarly, uh, go to getstaffedup.com forward slash VIP. And same thing, you just drop in a little line and, and uh, we have a, a very large team already ready to, to reach out and, and see what you need in your business. And one of our, our catchphrases is delegate your way to freedom, Dave. Too many people are just their own assistant. And if you don't have an assistant, you are an assistant. And people have to learn how to get rid of those small nagging tasks that prevent us from having more time on the big picture. Because we all have things that we want to get to, big projects, and we simply never create the time.
Yeah, the difference between working in the business and working on the business, for sure. Yeah. Uh, folks in the production studio, I think you have a graphic in the back. We're going to tee that up. I want to give Brett a chance to talk about uh, a book that you've authored. There it is. It's on the screen right now. I don't know if you can see it, Brett, but The Danger Zones. Why don't you tell us about that? Oh, I would love to. Thank you so much. So we have a book launching within the next few weeks. It's called The Danger Zones. It's the five risk areas that business owners need to watch out for that can put them out of business. So what we did is we took all of the lawsuits that over 10 years our clients have, have been in, you know, on, on one side or another. And, and in addition to um, Miami-Dade has the fourth busiest uh, circuit court in the entire country. So we, we, we gathered data and we categorized all the lawsuits into five areas. And when we said, you know, these are the five areas that if we can focus on and help our clients, you know, mitigate the risk, then we can do what, what our mission is. And that is, is to keep our clients out of the courtroom. Um, so the book is very anecdotal. It tells stories, you know, kind of like I did earlier with the brewery. And, and it kind of gives you a little bit of a, you know, oh, shoot, you know, I, I need to make sure I've, I haven't looked at my operating agreements in a while. Um, or, you know, I haven't really thought about that. Of course, it covers trademarks, um, but it's a very short book and I hope it's a fun read and it's going to be available for download, you know, very soon and a hard copy. Sounds good. So Amazon, I imagine? Yep, we'll, we'll be on Amazon. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, congratulations on that. I think you mentioned something about a quiz too. Yeah, um, tremblylaw.com forward slash danger zones. We have a page set up where you can take a less than two minute quiz and just some, you know, some, some yes or no answers, and we'll send you your results in, in terms of, you know, kind of what your exposure areas are and, and how serious that, you know, you need to take these. And it's kind of like going to the mechanic and you plug your car in and it tells you, oh, look, you got 50,000 miles left on your brakes. Well, that, that's not urgent, right? Or sometimes it's like, hey, the engine's about to blow. You really need to, to bring it in. Yeah. And, and that's what we're doing with our clients. And, and some people have more legal infrastructure in place than others. And we create a timeline and we build a plan to let business owners sleep better at night. Brett, we only have a few minutes left in the program here, about four or five to go. But I wanted to just ask you, not to give away all five, of course, uh, we want people to read the book, but is there one in particular that you might want to share? It doesn't have to be the number one, but just one that you might share just to let the audience get a flavor for things that they should be thinking about and also you know, a feel for what the book's going to be like. Sure. So um, one, one of the things that business owners do is, is get together with ideas and create, create a business. So you have a partner and you simply forgot or, or you neglected to get your operating agreement in place. So you're rolling along, things are good until they're not. And so many businesses, I, I always say it this way, if, if you're a business and you're sued or threatened to be sued by a third party and an outside threat, you can survive that. But when you literally implode because the business owners are fighting, the business is not going to survive that. And if you don't have your operating agreement in place on who owns what, who's responsible for what, can you, know, can you buy your partner out? Can they buy you out? What happens if one wants to leave? How much does one work? I mean, that's a huge fight when a business partner comes in with one comes in with money and the other comes in with the time. A few years later, when one of them is working 80 hours a week and the other's, you know, sailing in the Bahamas, problems are going to happen. It's going to be an inequitable relationship. And that's what you have to put down in writing and get people to understand. Again, it comes back to communication, but communication not written down leads to a lot of unintentional, forgetful memories. 
Yeah, is there a general rule about how often the operating agreement should be refreshed? I mean, certainly if there's something that would trigger it, like issuing stock, for example, but what, what's your advice on that? It, it's not really a time, Dave, it's what you said, it, it's events. So if you're growing really quickly, certainly if you're thinking about adding um, a, a, you know, more investors or business partners or members of an LLC, and it's life events. You know, what happens if, if, if two people got together and then one of them gets married? I had this call yesterday. Hey, we, I've had this business partner forever, but, you know, she's about to get married and I don't want to be business partners with her new husband, for example. And, and, and making sure that, that those types of contingencies are covered in writing is really what's going to give you peace of mind or cause a lot of problems down the road. Yeah, it's peace of mind and protection from downside risk when you, you need it the least, right? Yep. Thanks, Brett. Um, that's all the time we have here today on Behind the Numbers. Brett, I want to thank you. We've been talking with Brett Trembley. Brett, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. That's been a pleasure. And thank you for watching and listening. Please do hit the subscribe button so that you know that what we're up to. And I'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.